Hello, parents. Dr. Tim Jordan back here with another episode of Raising Daughters. And I appreciate you stopping by every week for these podcasts. And today I've got a really important topic. And I want you to listen carefully to this one. And I want you to take some time after it's done to think about what I'm going to talk about. Because I think there are times when parents know what they want to do with their kids. They know about following through with with agreements and things. They know about accountability. They know about those kinds of things. But sometimes they don't act in the way that they know they should. There's times when we're overprotective and we get over-involved in our kids' lives. And so I want to talk today about a concept called the vulnerable child syndrome. I heard about this concept a long time ago in my training back in Boston with Dr. Brazelton years ago. And I think uh, it, it's important for you to become aware of why you may be sometimes stuck with your parenting. Oftentimes, it's not about lack of knowledge. It's about something else is getting in the way. That's what we're going to talk about in this podcast today. Let me start with a quick story. At this parish a long time ago, there was a priest who was celebrating his birthday. So he went by the grade school that day, and all the kids lined up to hand their their priest a, a gift. And so this one little boy walked up, and he had this package that was kind of a bulky package, and the priest knew that this uh, boy's parents owned a woolen goods store. So he said, hey, hey, Johnny, thanks for the gift. Thank you so much for the sweater. And Johnny said, well, Father, how'd you know it was a sweater? He said, ah, Johnny, Father knows everything. Father knows everything. The next uh, little boy walked up and he had this long kind of a stick looking thing that was wrapped up. And the priest knew that this little boy's parents worked at a golf shop. So he said, hey, hey, uh, Billy, thanks so much for the golf club. And Billy said, well, Father, how'd you know it was a golf club? And the priest said, ah, Billy, Father knows everything. And the, the little girl then walked up. And she had this kind of bulky package, and it was kind of leaking on the bottom. And the priest knew that, she, that her parents owned a liquor store. So she said, hey, Sally, thanks so much for that bottle of scotch. And uh, Sally said, well, Father, it's not a bottle of scotch. He said, well, then thanks so much for this bottle of, uh, of whiskey. And Sally said, Father, it's not a bottle of whiskey either. And then the priest, you know, touched the liquid and put it to his mouth, tasted it. He said, well, then thank you for that, that bottle of, uh, of uh, tequila. And Sally said, no, Father, it's not a bottle of tequila. I brought you a puppy. Sometimes there are reasons underneath our behavior. Now, we assume something and in our in our in our uh, conscious mind, but sometimes there are some unconscious things that are driving us. That concept, vulnerable child syndrome, means to me that behind any unreasonable behavior that we do sometimes, and I'm talking about parenting in this, in this podcast, sometimes you may never know the exact story, but there's always a reason behind our behaviors. And if you see parents who are parenting, quote-unquote, unreasonably, meaning they're being overprotective and, and they're overindulging and they're overinvolved and they're not setting boundaries. And you see that, I would assume and act as if there's some kind of a reason for that. Instead of judging people and reacting to them, instead I want us to start seeing people through the eyes of understanding. There are reasons why parents micromanage, overprotect, overindulge, and become overinvolved. The vulnerable child syndrome means that Because of experiences with our kids starting even before they're born, 
kids can become vulnerable to being parented differently because of experiences like problems getting pregnant, problems that happen during the pregnancy, perinatal issues uh, at the delivery, any issues in the first months. What happens is some worries get planted in parents' minds that then can sprout later on and become issues. And oftentimes then our kids' behavior will trigger something in us. Old feelings, old stuff comes up, and then that's what interferes with us parenting the way we know we want to parent. Selma Freiberg was a famous psychoanalyst who back in 1974 coined a term called ghosts in the nursery. I love that concept. It's really related to this vulnerable child syndrome thing. Ghosts in the nursery. And what she meant by that was any unresolved experiences, issues, emotions from a parent's past can then come back and resurface and then haunt their parenting. This is how some of Freiburg described ghosts in the nursery. They are the visitors from the unremembered past of parents, the uninvited guests at the christening. And they appear to do their mischief, specializing in such areas as feeding, sleeping, discipline, depending upon the vulnerabilities of that particular parent's past. Vulnerable child syndrome, ghosts in the nurseries. Let me tell you some stories to help make this concept clearer. And I bet you will see yourself in some of these stories. So what are some things that can cause um, kids to become vulnerable childs, or excuse me, vulnerable children? One thing is unresolved childhood issues and feelings from our past. Let me give you some examples. Um, what if you were a parent who, when you were a kid, you were neglected, where your parents weren't there for you in the way that you felt like you needed them to be there for you? What happens for these parents is oftentimes when they become parents is that they're set up to become parents who smother their kids. I saw a mom years ago. Her name was Jessie. And she was too involved in her kids' stuff. She was micromanaging her kids. And I remember she told me, and I wrote this down years ago in my, in my notes, in my counseling practice, because Jesse said, my parents were never there for me. They were really distracted with their work. They had all kinds of problems in their marriage. And so they just weren't there. They just weren't around. And even when they were around, they were distracted. So I told myself that someday when I have kids, I will be there for them. And by God, Jesse was too much. She had a hard time not becoming too involved in her kids' lives. I saw a girl several years ago who was a really good athlete, and she was a good soccer player, and she was stressed out. She felt, she felt a lot of pressure from within, but also from without, and the pressure she felt the most was from her dad. Her dad would sit in the stands at games and coach her loudly. <laughs> He would yell, and, he, and sometimes at halftime, he would come up and talk to the coach because the coach and him were buddies from high school. On the way home from games, he would constantly coach her and talk about all the things that she didn't do well, things she, the things that he would tell her to improve upon. It became a lot for her. And I remember talking to him in the office and asking about his past, and what I discovered was his ghost in the nursery. When he was a kid growing up, his parents never came to his games, and it really affected him a lot. They never came. They were busy. They were distracted. They worked a lot, all kinds of reasons, but they didn't show up for his games, and it hurt him deeply. And then when he was a sophomore in high school, he was playing football, and he broke his back, and his doctors told him that he could no longer play competitive sports like that. 
And so he couldn't. So now you fast forward, you know, 20 years. Now he's got a daughter and by God, he is living his sports life through her. He cannot not be there. And I want him to be there at the games, but just differently. So he needed some awareness about what all that energy was about. It was about his past story. That was was his ghost in the nursery. Some more examples. If you were a parent who, when you were young and growing up, that you were really shy and got left out and didn't have very many friends. Now you fast forward and you're, you're parenting a daughter and it's maybe really hard to not push her socially, even when she's not ready. I talked to a mom years ago. Her name was Taylor. And she reminded, uh, she was reminded of the fact that she was a really shy kid. And she had no friends. She felt isolated. She felt lonely all the way through high school. And she told me, I don't want my daughter, Cecilia, to go through what I did. And so she started pushing her to be more outgoing. When her grandparents came over, um, she would be kind of shy at first, a little slow to warm up. And her mom would push her, you know, go kiss grandma, go hug grandma. She pushed her to include herself when they were at a park or at the swimming pool. Um, uh, Cecile, Cecilia was just really slow to warm up. If given the time and given the autonomy, she, she tended to, to warm up in groups. She was just one of those kids, temperamentally, who liked to assess situations before she dove in. But her mom was pushing her, and now all of a sudden she felt like she should be different. It was wrong to be the way she was. I have seen a lot of kids with parents with that story with, with, who then became pushed further than they should have been because of that ghost in the nursery. Parents who grew up in, in a home with addictions, home with an alcoholic in the home. A lot of times as adults, they have issues with control. A mom named Bonnie years ago told me that her dad growing up was an alcoholic. And when she came home from school and she walked in the door, she never knew what the mood of the house would be because she didn't know what his mood would be. Because when he was in a bad mood, the whole house was in a bad mood. So everybody walked around on eggshells. And she told me, uh, this quote, which I wrote down in my, in my notes, I decided that maybe if I was perfect and a good girl and had everything calm and under control, that maybe he wouldn't blow up and rage at us. And now as an adult, she likes everything perfect and everything in order, everything under control. And it's hard <laughs> to be a parent because kids are not that way. And so she didn't like it when her kids... Um, were a little bit out of control. They were kind of loud. Or if there was one thing out of place in the house, it would really trigger her. It triggered her old fears of if things are not totally perfect and under control, something bad is going to happen. I had another mom one time who told me that she came from home from school one day when she was about 14 years of age and she found her dad dead on the floor in their, in their living room. He had a heart attack and died. Fast forward 20, 24 years. And so she had, um, she got married and then they waited for a while. And then they finally decided to try and get pregnant. And she had three miscarriages, which really caused a lot of angst in her. And then she finally got pregnant and she delivered a little boy. Uh, his name was Johnny. And and then after she had, she had Johnny, she wanted to have another child and she had another miscarriage. And then her, finally her husband said, I'm done with this because he had been shut out 
for the past three years since that other little baby was born, since Johnny was born. He didn't want another child. And that mom, I remember in the office when she was telling me the story, started crying and she cried deeply. She said, he's my only child. And what happened with her, what made this child vulnerable was at bedtime, if he was crabby or fussy, she had a really hard time not going in to his bedroom and overdoing it. She had a hard time dropping him off at school because if he was a little bit upset or sad at preschool, that really bothered her. And she said to me, my dad died suddenly when I was 14 years of age, and I worry about something happening to my son, and I would never forgive myself if we parted like that. I don't want to leave him at bedtime unhappy. I don't want to drop him off at school unhappy, because what if something happened? He's everything to me. You can feel that vulnerability, right? You can, you can just feel that ghost in the nursery. So this mom gave in a lot. She had a hard time setting boundaries and she had a hard time following through because she was so afraid of upsetting her kid. Another situation that can cause kids to become vulnerable is if there's problems before and after the, after the birth. Parents who have a hard time getting pregnant. And by the way, uh, the statistics, excuse me, on infertility are, are that it's going up. In the last 20 years especially, it's gone up. More and more couples are having a harder, harder time getting pregnant for lots of different reasons. One of them being that, that parents are, in general are, are older when they start having kids. The average age that I looked at recently for women was about 28 or 29, and for men it's about 30, 31. That's the average. So there are a lot of parents who are in their early, mid, mid late 30s who are starting to, you know, to want to have a family. And for a lot of reasons, infertility has gone up. And... Because of that, parents may have to try for six months or a year or two years or three years. And then when things aren't, aren't happening, they go to specialists. And they, some, a lot of parents, again, there's an increasing amount of parents going through in vitro fertilization, which is very time consuming. It's a very controlled process about when you can have sex and all kinds of things. It's very expensive. I read somewhere that's around $40,000 um, just for one in vitro fertilization. And most people have to pay for it out of pocket. So with all the time and energy put into, I want to get pregnant, I want to get pregnant, we haven't been able to get pregnant for two years, the pressure is on, and then you go through the testing, then you go through in vitro fertilization. When those parents finally get pregnant, this is their miracle baby. I've had parents say, this is my miracle baby. They say, this is my Jesus baby. And then the pregnancy is a nightmare for many of them because there's so much angst around it. I've had moms in the last several years tell me that they were getting ultrasounds every week or two because the doctors are so afraid of there being a problem. And so that plants a seed in those parents' brains like there, there could be something wrong. And there's anxiety all, all around this child and its, its, uh, its pregnancy and, and the delivery. I think the same holds true if parents have had some miscarriages. Even one miscarriage, but especially if there's been several. They try the miscarriage. They get their hopes up, a miscarriage. And again, that sets up in them this 
anxiety during the pregnancy about is this one going to going to take? Is this one going to go through all the way through? Am I going to have a baby? I've had a lot of parents tell me that. Uh, I, let me tell you a story. I saw this mom not that long ago. She was having a hard time following through with her discipline with her daughter. Her daughter was 10 years of age. And this mom knew better. She was a teacher. She knew something about following through and agreements and discipline. And she told me she was having a hard time following through because this child was so special to her and she hated to see her unhappy. And that came back to that ghost, which was she waited so long to have this child. And this child was so special to her because of the of having taken so long to get pregnant. If there's problems during the pregnancy, extra worries about the baby, having to get see more doctors, more specialists, get more ultrasounds, etc. Again, it's almost like there's a black cloud hanging over that child. There's always anxiety about that kid. Even if they're if they're delivered and they're fine, there's still there's this black cloud that seems to follow them. Parents during the, the pregnancy, if there's problems, hang on every, every word the doctor says or the nurse says. And I think sometimes the medical profession hurts parents because they will say things like, you know, I think your baby will be fine. I mean, sometimes these kids may end up um, having some interventricular hemorrhages. Sometimes these kids may end up with some learning issues. They plant seeds sometimes unknowingly and the parents latch onto it and they do not forget those things. I remember I saw a couple one time. They had a son who was born at about 25 weeks. He was about, I think, one pound, 12 ounces or something. He was really sick, was in the intensive care nursery for three or four months on oxygen. They were told he's not going to make it. He's going to be blind. He's going to be mentally challenged. They were told all kinds of things. He's never going to walk. And this little kid was a fighter, and he kept surviving. And the, and the intensive care nursery nurses... Loved the mom because she was there all the time. And they hated the father because he didn't show up. They judged him for not coming to the intensive care nursery, being there for his wife, supporting his wife. And what they didn't know was he had a ghost in his nursery, which was when he was a little boy in his preschool years, he didn't walk until he was like three or four years of age. And he had to wear braces on his legs, kind of like Forrest Gump. He was a, He was slow to talk. Everybody thought he was stupid. They thought he he was mentally challenged because of all of that. And he was a big kid anyway, so he looked bigger than his age. And he ended up outgrowing the need when he was four or five of, of braces. He was fine. He ended up being a great athlete. He was fine. He's a, he's a brilliant guy. But he hates hospitals. Because when he was a, a kid, he remembers going there and all the blood tests and all the worry and seeing all the doctors and all the procedures. And so for him, just walking in that door floods him with memories. That's why he was not in the intensive care nursery sitting by his wife. It wasn't because he was a, dad, a bad dad. If, if there's problems in the early going with kids, things like uh, slow weight gain, uh, sometimes kids end up having what they call small for gestational age kids. They're born small. They may have a hard time sucking for different reasons. If they fail at nursing, if, you've got, if, I've, if I've seen moms in the, who really want to nurse, they were, they were part of the Lelechi League, and they really wanted to nurse for all the reasons they wanted to nurse, and then for whatever reasons their kids didn't latch on and it wasn't working, those moms had a ghost, which was my kid's not getting enough. 
and it's my fault. And those, those parents, especially the moms, would get really concerned about the size and the weight of their kids all the way through childhood. I would see kids who were six years of age and chunky, and the mom or dad would still see that kid as being frail, small, and vulnerable because they were seeing through a lens of, there's something wrong with my kid. Old fears about, is he going to make it? Is he going to die? He's not getting enough to eat. He's small for gestational age. He's failed to thrive. You have any of that stuff in the history, it sets up a fear about, are they getting enough? Are they too small? I've seen a lot of kids who were adopted in my counseling practice over the years. And many of the parents adopted this daughter because they were having a hard time getting pregnant or they, were, they couldn't get pregnant for whatever reason. There were other, other reasons, but that was the most common. And those parents who had that reason, like they couldn't uh, get pregnant, they had infertility problems, they'd waited so long to have a child, and they finally adopted one, and this child became their miracle baby, this adopted child. And the, the ghost in that nursery is sometimes if there was any problem along the way, like maybe their kid got into a fight at school, or there was some issue with them being a little bit behind their reading in, in kindergarten, or whatever it might be, if there was any glitch within that child's experience, the parents went right to, oh my gosh, I wonder if he's going to be like his biological parents. Sometimes parents know the history of the biological parents. Sometimes they don't. They may have adopted a child from um, a country where there's a lot of kids who, whose parents were drug addicts or there's a lot of fetal alcohol syndrome. So parents, when there's any little, even a tiny problem, sometimes overreact to, oh my gosh, I wonder if he's going to be like, she's going to be like her biological parents. That's a ghost in the nursery. And so that means sometimes they overreact to the problem when they don't need to. Something sometimes as quote-unquote simple as being a working parent or being a single parent, uh, which means that sometimes you don't have as much time with your kids because you're working a lot. If you're a single parent, you work long hours. Um, I, I saw a five-year-old years ago who was having major bedtime power struggles. And the, and the parents just could not stay out of that room. Uh, this, was, this was a parent. It was a, it was a mom, a single mom. And the reason she had a hard time not going back in there and overly spending time at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night was she felt guilty. She felt guilty because this child did not have a father. She was tired because she was working two jobs. And sometimes it was just easier to give in. And nighttime is the hardest time for things like that because it's a, it's a big separation time. Even if your kids have been in school all day, that's a separation. But nighttime's another one. And a lot of times the ghost in the nursery that pops up is, I haven't been there all day for them. I feel so bad about that. I feel so guilty. I'm not spending much time with them. So I'll go in there now and spend the time. Even though it means my kid's going to be up until 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And I know it's not the right thing for them. Another issue that can make kids vulnerable to being parented differently is if they've been through a divorce. A lot of times when, when parents have, have gone through a divorce, they, they feel guilty. They worry a lot about what it's done to their kids. And every little glitch they see in their kids is about, oh my God, I wonder if this is about the divorce. There are some parents who feel so bad about what they're putting their kids through with two houses and all that, that they become Disneyland parents that cliche Disneyland dad who 
you know, is always taking their kids on vacations and bringing toys and spending money because they feel guilty for the divorce. They may feel guilty about the time they, they lack with their kids. I saw a girl, she was a teenage girl in my office, and she had been through divorce, and the divorce was due to her dad having an affair. And he he blamed himself for the divorce. He blamed himself for his kids' problems. And his overcompensation was spending money on them, buying them things that they didn't even need just because he felt so guilty. One last issue that I think sometimes causes kids to become vulnerable. There's lots, but I'm a, uh, let me end with this one, this part of it. Family history. If when you were growing up, there was issues in your family, for instance, um, I saw a mom not too long ago who was being overprotective with her 16-year-old daughter and really strict and just gave this kid no room to breathe. Well, I, when I talked to the mom a little bit, um, I got some of her story. When she was growing up, her brother got into lots of trouble. He was on drugs a lot. Uh, she remembered terrible fights between him and her parents. He had, was in and out of treatment centers. There were several times when the police came to the house for different reasons. Uh, he dropped out of high school. And so now this mom, fast forward, with her 16-year-old daughter, does not want her to go down the same road. So anytime she sees anything that triggers her about, is my daughter drinking or, or I don't know if I like some of her friends, she goes into overprotective mode because she's bringing her brother's story into her daughter's story where it does not belong. It's a common theme with this vulnerable, vulnerable child syndrome. We tend to bring our past stories and we mix it into our kids' stories when it doesn't belong and it, it causes it to be harder to see our kids for who they are and to parent them appropriately. So in summary, kids can become vulnerable. Vulnerable to being parented differently for a number of reasons. Anything, anything any ghost that causes parents to see their kids differently or to worry about their kids can become a way or a reason for parents to, to treat their kids differently. And so if we see our kids who are kind of shy, if we see our kids with a problem in school, and we had a problem in school, whatever it is, it triggers old feelings, it brings up old issues, and it overwhelms us. And a lot of times it's unconscious. We're not even aware of what's coming up. We just have these emotions. We just have this reaction. And we don't take the time to step back and say, what's going on with me? And the truth is those feelings that come up are normal. That's the key key to normalize those feelings. To say it's okay. It makes sense why you might be scared for your, for your daughter. It makes sense why it's hard to follow through. It makes sense why you worry about them at nighttime. It makes sense why it's hard to follow through with your discipline. I get it. You want those feelings to come up and to be expressed and to take the energy off of them. Because if, if not, they get pushed below the surface and then they get triggered and they come up in ways that we're not even aware of. And it's our kids' behavior, it's our kids' experiences that tend to trigger those old feelings, that old baggage, if you will. There are a lot of places where ghosts will commonly appear. And I bet that some of you are already seeing yourself in some of these stories. Let me go through a quick list of some ways, just so you can, it'll may st uh, stimulate some memories for you. Places where ghosts can commonly appear. One of them is sleep. 
a lot of issues with parents and uh, parenting and sleep. So if you had a kid who was a preemie, a kid in the early going who had seizures, kids who have disabilities, kids who had an illness early on, kids who may have had sleep apnea or any kind of apnea, if there's a history of sudden infant death syndrome in your family, if they were in the hospital when they were a baby or in the early going, if they were in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, for any reason, that sets up um, sleep being an issue that might cause you to be them to be vulnerable. Feeding issues, kids who were preemies, uh, a small for gestational age when they were born, failure at nursing, slow weight gain, gastroesophageal reflux. If they had a stomach illness early on, and especially if they had to be hospitalized when they were infants or in the, in the first year, if they've been spitting so much that they had a hard time eating or, or gaining weight, any of those things, especially in the first year, sets up issues and over-concern about feeding. Temper tantrums. If you have kids who are preemies, kids who had seizures, kids who had interventricular hemorrhages in the, early, in the intensive care nursery, kids who have a chronic illness, kids with a disability, kids who have been adopted, kids who in the past were told that because of their experience, they might end up having ADD or learning disabilities. Oftentimes, those kinds of worries surface with parents having a hard time handling their kids' tantrums and following through with things. Same thing with discipline. Histories of infertility, uh, kids who are adopted, if the kids have been sick a lot, kids with chronic illness, if there's stresses at home, if kids have been through a divorce, single parents, working parents, those set up sometimes making kids vulnerable to being parented differently around the issue of discipline. Harder to follow through, harder to hold kids accountable because of our feelings that come up. Sometimes it's hard to, to give our kids more autonomy, to let go. If they've been sick early on, history of infertility, miscarriage, if there's any time in their lives when we thought they weren't going to make it, that we thought they might die. If it's an only child, if, if you've got a past history of neglect in your stories, if you were abandoned as a kid, it's hard sometimes to let go with your kids, to not get too enmeshed and too involved. I also see sometimes in the issue of when your kids start to date, if when you were growing up, there's a past issue of some dating abuse or dating violence, or if you were raped, if, uh, if there was teen pregnancy with, for one of the parents or one of their siblings. Um, if you growing up had issues with having poor self-esteem and having given yourself up to boys more. Um, if you're a dad who was a wild guy, uh, who was a player growing up, sometimes those are the kinds of things from our past that can cause us to have issues with our kids when it's time for dating. Mental health concerns in your family history. If either parent had mental health issues, if there is a sibling who had mental health issues or mental health problems, a past history of suicide in the family anywhere, um, parents who may have had a good friend who had issues uh, with depression or anxiety or suicidal thoughts or had committed suicide, those might end up becoming ghosts in our nursery when it comes to our kids and seeing our kids in a different way. If you had school concerns in your past, uh, maybe because you did bad in school and you feel like you missed out in your life, it limited your life story because you did bad in school or didn't try in school. Boy, sometimes it's hard for those parents not to get too involved in their kids' schoolwork. If it was you, it may have been a sibling 
who had a history of that kind of a thing. Sometimes uh, kids who have parents who are first generation immigrants, extra worry, extra concern, extra energy. And then just the last one, letting go. Sometimes parents, because of all the kinds of reasons we've talked about, they become overly attached, if you will. Don't give kids the space to be themselves. They become kind of enmeshed in their, in their lives. It's, it's like they talk in terms of we as opposed to they. It's hard to let go sometimes with all that stuff in the histories. And again, going back to what to do about this, we need to normalize the feelings. You, you need to become aware of what, what ghosts you might have from your past. What old feelings you may have that are getting triggered with your kids' present day life, their issues, um, things going on for them. Allow those feelings that come up to surface. Express them. Normalize those feelings so they no longer have power over you and your parenting. Help parents. That's what I do. I help parents make connections between their ghost and their present parenting behavior. So I allow them to, to talk about their stories. And a lot of times, I don't even need to make the connection for them. They will stop and they'll say, I wonder if that's why I have such a hard time disciplining my kid. I wonder if that's why I have such a hard time not worrying about her weight. And that is magical, those moments. When they're allowed to voice their ghosts, their past experiences, maybe some feelings come up, and then they make the connection with that's why it's hard for me to parent the way I want to parent. Here's some questions I ask parents to try and get down to some of those ghosts. And you can ask these questions of yourself or your spouse if you dare. I ask questions like, I wonder what your concern is about your daughter with whatever it might be. What's your concern about that? What is your fear about that? And then they'll, then they'll give me an answer and I'll say, oh, so your fear is that your kids will, will not do well in school? What's your concern about that? Well, I guess my concern is that if they don't do well in, in high school. Maybe they won't be able to go to college or, you know, get an education. Okay. And I mirror that. They'll say, what, what's your concern about that? I keep asking until I get to pay dirt. Because <laughs> eventually the ghost pops up. My concern is, I guess, that I don't want them to have, have to have a kind of a crappy job that I have right now. If I had just tried harder in school and, and applied myself, I wouldn't have this lower level job. I feel stuck. I don't want that for my kid. Ah, there we go. There's the pay dirt. So you can ask yourself questions like, well, what's my concern about that? And then you find an answer. Then you say, well, what's, what's my concern about that? And you keep going until you unearth, unlayer, unlayer until the deeper reason is in front of you. I think all of you, need to be heard. All of your feelings need to be normalized. You need to find somebody who can say to you, I get it. It, may, it makes sense why you might act that way. I get it. And the job now is, is for you to be more aware of that, to become aware of when you get triggered, become aware of when feelings come up, when your kids act in certain ways, and you don't allow that other stuff to get in the way of you parenting the way you know you need to parent. Behind any unreasonable parenting behavior is a story. And there's a ghost. And you may never hear that story or understand or get to know what that story is. But I, I can assume and you can assume and act as if there is a story instead of judging and reacting to people in negative ways. If 
But most importantly, I want you, everybody listening to this podcast, to take the time to step back from yourselves and zoom out and say, okay, I'm parenting. I get too angry with this. I get triggered by this. There's a reason there. There's a story. There's a ghost probably. I need to be able to ask myself some questions and let it come out. Let the emotions come out, express them, and then don't let them interfere with present day parenting. I hope this makes sense to you. It's so important. There's so many times when I see parents who are educated, and educated meaning they understand kids enough, they understand their kids, they kind of know what to do, but something keeps popping up that doesn't allow them to parent the way they know they want to. I, all of you, if you get a hold of and become aware of those ghosts, you can even out your parenting, your parenting so much, not allow, allow, not allow old baggage and things to trigger you into parenting in ways that are not healthy for you and your, all your kids. If you have questions, concerns, looking for information, just check out my website at www.drtimjordan.com, like drtimjordan.com. Um, the summer camp season is going to be coming up before you know it. You can look on my website uh, on the section for summer camps. There's the dates, uh, information about our camps and what kids learn. Um, would love to have your kids come to camp. Um, that's one of the things I think that we do is we help kids become aware of things that they're feeling because of life experiences when they're 10, 14, 18. We help them to kind of make sense of it so they don't bring it forward to, in their lives. We try and help them uncover those things when they're kids instead of waiting until they're 36 and, and they're struggling with their parenting. I appreciate you coming by every week. I appreciate you, you passing these on to your friends. I will see you back here in a week. <laughs>